0: Hello, and welcome to the Truth Map podcast with Dr. Michael Lukens, clinical psychologist, healer, and theorist who over the course of three decades has been developing and refining his own theory of human motivation. We believe that self-understanding is the first step to bringing about change in your life. On this journey we take together, we provide powerful insights and tools for navigating the pathways of your meaningful world. This newfound knowledge will incite lifelong, positive emotional change to help you find and live the truth about yourself. And now, your host, Dr. Michael Lukens.
1: What to do about anxiety? Maybe we've been wrong all along. Maybe we should question what everyone takes for granted. It's the title of my presentation here, and uh, just to sort of begin in on this topic, um, there's two things that I concluded early on in my career. My dissertation, by the way, um, was on test anxiety. So I was studying anxiety and it's effect on people in different ways. Um, my entire career, which goes all the way back in It's been every 30 years. So, but this is what I concluded as I began um, to look into the matter of what is anxiety and what to do about it. So well, the first order of business is there's no such thing as anxiety. <laughs> we made up the idea and it's stuck. Um, as proof of that, i I discussed the idea that dogs and squirrels don't have anxiety. Well, wait, 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 wait. My dog gets anxious during uh, a thunderstorm. Um, He has fear. There's no reason for him (laughs) to be labeled as having anxiety. There's nothing mysterious if you're a dog uh, why that would be so scary. Um, The dog does fear and he does it rather well. It might not He might not respond in ways that make sense to us, but I tell you 100% of the time the dog and the squirrel are responding with fear when it makes sense for them to do so. So they're not left over with fears they can't explain. And that leads me to the second conclusion, that what we call anxiety is nothing more or less than fuzzy fear. Get that fuzzy fear? Like it's the difference between clear fear and fuzzy, fear. and fuzzy. <clears throat> so anxiety's fuzzy fear. And since we we, under, we can understand what fuzzy fear is, we don't it's a synonym we don't need. These twin conclusions shape my approach the methods of use, which has resulted in my being able to help people who thought they were unhelpful. When this definition, when this perspective is adopted by people who previously have thought of anxiety as a condition unto itself, they have a serious aha, like, oh my God, I wish somebody had told me this. It's very empowering, and if you stick with this, you'll see exactly what i So I've been able to help these people who actually believe they're unhelpful. These are people who struggled with anxiety their whole life. These are people who tried everything. No by what they did, they couldn't conquer their anxiety and problems um, and anxiety. And I've been able to help these people. And what's more, um, they've been able to go on and continue to help themselves. But uh that will become obviously apparent. So what do these conclusions mean for the change process? Well, Again, get right get right to the nuts and of So if we get unfuzzy about our finger, we get clear. There is no anxiety left. There's only clear fear in the question of what to do with the real threat that the clear fear is connected to. So I give you the example. The person being chased by a grizzly bear does not have bear anxiety or grizzly anxiety, nor do we even, you know, want to say they have death anxiety. They have their survival instinct like on but there's a real clear threat chasing them, producing real obvious fear that's motivating them to run as fast as they possibly can. So it all makes sense. They get uh, far enough away, or the bear gets caught, or the bear gets shot, what have you, and uh, and their fear goes away. There's nothing that can linger. It's a clear fear. Threat was clear. Threat was handled. Fear disappeared. When fear is fuzzy, is there something chasing me or isn't there? You know, the dream that you have or, or there's some scary thing chasing you and you're feeling like you're running in molasses or, you know, your legs are, you know, the weight 300 pounds. And it's kind of catching up to you and you, you know, you're starting to work yourself into a panic. What's chasing you? What's interesting in those dreams, have you ever turned face what's chasing you? Um, it often surprises you. You can make it run away. You can, you can see that it wasn't anything that did But the running away, because it seems scary and you don't know what it is, that's kind of the prototype for anxiety. I'm not sure what's chasing me, Doc, but it sure has me nervous. <laughs> well, if we got clear what was chasing you, you wouldn't just be nervous. You'd be problem-solving. See that? fuzzy fear can't be well-defined, it can't be clearly identified, and so it cannot be well problems. Um It can only be managed, and kind of inefficiently managed, as an unwanted mood state. I don't know why I feel this way. Unwanted feeling state. I hate what is going on in my stomach. I wish it would stop. Bodily sensations, bothersome worry, you know, thoughts that are going all just general agitation. There's your anxiety. There's the state of fuzzy fear that's chronic and unrelenting. Medication might help you feel better about your fuzzy fear, about your anxiety, but it can't resolve anything related to the real threats underlying the trigger. Appropriately being connected as the source. We need to know the source. We're going to get on fuzzy. We need to know the source. It's as if you began ignoring the real threats and started to identify the threat signal itself as the real threat. So, when uh, one of the Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, he was actually prescribing this vicious cycle of people. <laughs> no, actually, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. And uh, some of them are abstract. You know, death is an abstraction that exists even when we're safe. We're in a safe space, we're in a safe environment. There's no threat around us, and death exists for us as an abstraction that could be scaring us. So some people walk around with anxiety, and what they have really, if you just ask them a few questions, clarify it, Is this fear of the of the experience of dying, or the reality of dying, or the philosophic implications of dying, or the sense of sadness and loss connected with that. Well, you know the pain of a particular form of dying, um, and this is re- a real threat. Death is a real threat. It might not exist for you right now, but it exists for you as a as a fixed, inevitable reality. So, when is a good time to dance with that threat, to consider that threat, and have that fear become real and palpable, show up in your awareness? When's a good time for that? Somebody else's funeral. Or Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock for no good reason. See, if you're not fuzzy about your fears, the fact that some of them are abstract and show up at 4 o'clock on Wednesday for no good reason, you still know what the threat is. Maybe you even see a subtle trigger that made you think of death as an inevitable reality for yourself once again. For that particular Wednesday afternoon maybe something that you weren't really noticing, triggered that. Oh, there's my fear of death. What am I supposed to do with it? A lot of things you can do with it. What are you supposed to do with the anxiety that is generated by that, That, and you refuse to look at the concept or the potential abstraction of death as being involved in this? Well, then you're stuck with your fuzziness this is what happens. When the real threats get exiled into the darkness of our fog or our fuzziness, we begin to have anxiety instead of fear, meaning we remove the moorings from, that were anchored to the meaningful threats. Again, they don't have to be physical. The abstract. Somebody disapproving of you, that's an abstract. Uh, the possibility of being abandoned, that's an abstract. Um, it's a real event when it happens, but it's an abstract threat. In between, it's happening. I spoke about death. You know, you say goodbye to your loved ones in the morning, they drive off. You don't know that they're coming home. In fact, you have to recognize if you're at least bit educated, aware, and intelligent, that there is some possibility they wouldn't come home. It might be remote, People play the lottery like crazy on the remote possibility of changing their life by winning a fortune. The remote possibility that my loved one's left this morning and won't come back. We all know people that got those phone calls. One day, everything they were taking for granted was uh, status quo and copacetic, and boom. What happened to us? We know that. It's an abstract threat that exists for every living person. Do you want to give a mind to it? No. Do you want to work hard to block it out of your mind? Good luck you're asking for that insane dance of being haunted by the stuff you're trying to push away. Do you see the the dilemma here? Would you prefer to have the awareness of your real fears, or is there some comfort you could take in having it all be foggy and fuzzy and just sort of bothering you in a chronic, agitated way? This is the critical understanding difference about my approach. Number one, the critical understanding difference: anxiety only exists as long as we remain fuzzy about our identity. It only exists as long as we remain fuzzy about. As soon as I identify my particular grizzly bear, I move into now defining this as fear of grizzly. Not anxiety related to I-don't-know-what. It's fear So the So the disappearance of anxiety begins with the illumination of the real threats and real fears. Clear fear, fear We're trying to find out the specific origin of specific fears, the specific type of fears that occur, the theme of one's fears, the source of real physical and abstract threats in one's life. And to recognize that these do matter, they make a difference, they do generally. Well, so I have a framework for classifying people's threats and people helps to identify the class of threats. Now what what if we look at the collection of threats, how do we effectively categorize them? So physical versus abstract is one way to categorize immediate threat versus far off in the distance threat. <coughs> Threat to life and limb, threat to you know, reputation or some other uh, abstract uh, element of our life, you know, quality of my relationships. You know, my my, uh, my spouse finding out a secret about X, Y, or Z can create anxiety anytime she's around. I don't like to think about my secret because it kind of makes me feel really guilty and ashamed. And so I kind of exile that understanding and that awareness to the fog. And now I just have some sort of general anxiety around my partner about my relationship. And I don't know what all secrets can do. It. And I get caught. Among other things. You might have to admit you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in the relationship. At any anyway. rate. The basic idea, anxiety exists because we're not clear about our fears. We get clear about our fears, to get rid of the term, now let's deal with the fear. So, this uh, framework for classif- classifying people's threats and fears helps identify the class of predisposing personal characteristics. That gets associated with certain forms of dancing with fear. This is the way you meet fear. And when you get clear about this, these uh, predisposing characteristics and the classic threats can be targeted for problem solving, problem resolution, or at least much more effective coping. You know, if I, if I realize it's, it's a, a real grizzly bear roaming the neighborhood I'm afraid of, you know, I do things to, to um, fortify my household and the, and the protections inside my household. And I look twice when I come out of my house, and I park my car accordingly, and I keep a gun, let's say, for the bear, whatever. I take steps. I don't just take Xanax. So here I break down uh, the categories as I um, have defined them. And I define them this way for lots of reasons. I won't get into the reasons too much because um, some of that will be revealed in the process of discussing the and things. You look on this graph, and um, I didn't, on on the left side, I have a list of the types of classes. um, Anxiety source, anxiety type, fear source, fear type. And then on the right side, I have a continuum, starting at the top and going down to the bottom, um, of the, depicting the degree to which, I assume somebody has some capacity to handle this and resolve this either completely on their own, somewhere in the middle, or then at the top, the bottom of the page, um, that they probably require more extensive help. And I don't want people getting, I want everybody to get the help they need. And so, you know, we shouldn't be overkill and we shouldn't be under service. We shouldn't do doing this. We should start this program. So we start out with trauma, and I start out with that because I think it's very uh, common. I think it's far more common than you understand. You know, the basics here, I'm, I'm going to be offering you an opportunity to uh, do some uh, more in-depth self-assessment. I'm just going over these ideas in person to sort of introduce do you can But uh, some of the other things I'm offering people you know, do involve taking this further and being able to accurately self assess and, um, and then not just get sort of a prognosis but get a path of um, you know actionable ideas to help you resolve to really make a difference in terms anxiety. Um, so we'll say more about that later So if you've had trauma, uh, odds are that anxiety you've had, um is being influenced by the trauma. And one of the ways to figure out if trauma is the most important thing is, let's just say you recognize there was a trauma in your life and on top of that you recognize that before the trauma you didn't seem to have as much anxiety and so if you recognize a radical shift in your anxiety that happened not right at the moment of the trauma but uh, as part of the fallout soon thereafter the odds are that from the trauma, we have the origins and the source material and the threats that are producing this fuzzy feeling, and we would have to unpack the particularly the emotional elements, but um, all the meaningful elements as well from the trauma. As somebody accomplishes trauma resolution, the anxiety would go according uh, to the degree of resolution. And that's provided that they haven't brainwashed themselves into <laughs> believing they have an anxiety disorder that's separate from the trauma. You're going to have two diagnoses PTSD and you have anxiety. Now you have one, PTSD, and the anxiety is in And when we clarify those fears, just like I'm saying, it will resolve. The problem is, it's not just a matter of clarifying it's a matter of clarifying and then addressing the source material. So let's just say that it's a form of emotional or sexual abuse that left you with a lot of shame. And so your anxiety is really fear of shame. And because you have such fear of shame and shame about shame, you don't really want to acknowledge it. So it's been part of your defense. To block out the awareness of shame, which then creates the fuzziness that makes this anxiety rather than fear. If you were, if you were willing to stay aware of the fact that this is fear of shame, then we wouldn't need to be explained this in terms of anxiety. Now we would look at the mysteries of your shame, in, you know, spiking uh, and cratering and the ebb flow of shame, and we look at that as an issue trying to understand. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is get rid of your shame or resolve the shame, or dissolve the shame, overcome the shame. And that's one outcome from trauma, certain kinds of trauma that's to be expected, that is very problematic. And you may need outside help to accomplish But knowing this, this and my anxiety goes away, right, because I see that it's fear related to trauma, the fear goes away then if I fear can be resolved. So you see what I'm talking about problem about that. second category is temperament, and I see that as uh, something that people can improve a lot on their own and, and they get they greatly benefit just from recognizing this about them so what I mean by the temperament uh, form is you know you were born with it your threshold for fear that you came you now into the Playground Earth with as a baby, and you had a sensitivity to threat and the prospect of threat that was statistically, not necessarily pathologically, statistically, statistically um, a little unusual. So, a loud noise that would not frighten one child frightened you. Um, a shift in you know, your body. You know, one one baby's being thrown up in the air going, Wee, wee, the other go, Wow, wow. Um, whatever it is that triggered the upset or the sense of threat for you occurs sooner than it does for somebody else. You sense danger before others do. So you have more threats in your voice. And and probably because other people have pooh you your experiencing X, Y, or Z as a legitimate threat, you've gone on to do that a bit yourself. Oh, I shouldn't be afraid of that. But it's too late. You already are. You see? So you, you fogged yourself based on the incredulity that, that, you know, people sort of attached to your expression and what was scaring you. you shouldn't be afraid of that. What's wrong with you, you know, your temperament was to be more easily afraid than they, so they didn't understand yours and they made it wrong and criticized it and then you joined them because you didn't like it or because you couldn't explain it. That's what tends to happen to are sort of temperament. Uh, fear-based, fear A lot of those uh, folks would report themselves as shy and a lot of them would report that they had some separation anxiety so that's not separation anxiety, it's really fear of being lost. You say, well, the attachment all this other stuff, that happens all fine and good, but um, and one, one baby attaches one way to the same other, a different baby. I have two sons, they attach very differently. Um, so they have different uh, anxiety uh, levels and responses. They have different amounts of fuzzy fear because of this. Grief-based, that should be somewhat self-explanatory. A major loss is, you know, it's actually a form of trauma. People relate to this a little bit differently. Um, It's not traumatic. It's grief. (laughs) grief Mm -hmm. The loss can be so but when you have a serious loss, it's not so you lose a friend. Are all your friends in jeopardy then? No. And if and if you imagine that they were all in jeopardy because you lost one, would that mean you were crazy and this is like quote, and irrational irrational fear? Yeah, but you know this—that's the biggest myth that somehow fears are rational or irrational. That's when one person's viewpoint interpolated or moved into the middle of somebody else's life and experience, and there's never a fit. You're you're always uh, uninformed from the sidelines when you're pretending you know what's going on no, with you for somebody else, you know? This is one of the biggest mistakes we're all making. Like I wouldn't be afraid of that, so you shouldn't be afraid of it. That's insane. You're not me. Just, just. So sick so. self esteem based. Um I think this should also be kind of self responsible. Shame and guilt of chasing you around the block. You don't want more shame and guilt, so your self esteem is you know already uh, damaged and inflamed and kind of rubbing against your your sensibilities and feeling states. And uh and so the prospect of more guilt and shame or more damage to self esteem is free anxiety. And it may show up social anxiety, it can show up. And, um it is related to self esteem and so self esteem repair is what really pushes, and that's so hard to do. So few people in this profession don't you know, to do, real, you know, effective deep work, and stuff, like more than marginal. You know, social phobia, um, sorry, spoke about that, but that takes a lot of different. A lot of people that just think they have anxiety really have the specific view of something going on in the person. So more about that later. Uh, modeling. Uh, mom and dad were both nervous and at so I am too just do little. You know, up. Um, and then the one that I have to separate from the rest medical or physical issues, and you know, if you're um amygdala's damage or if you're um, Electrolytes are off. If you have um, have a problem with your adrenal gland, Um, certain hormone imbalances, when I have an insulin uh, reaction, um, that direct change in the chemical soup can produce feeling states of fear that have no anchor in their meaningful world per se, no threat to trigger them. It's just a you know, they're mechanically supported by People would act like in the professional community would act like this this is anxiety. This accounts for all people that have anxiety see from what I'm saying. This is a subpopulation. Everybody else that has quote unquote anxiety has real fears real fears and legitimate fears that are sparking things in the, in the meaningful world to trigger fear. And uh, for these poor individuals, um, there's uh, you know a, a strictly chemical or structural source that has no meaningful anchor. And so that should be looked you know that they should be looking for a medical solution and, uh, that they might take that next one thing, but maybe their thyroid needs to be checked or their adrenal gland needs to be checked or the hormone needs to be checked. And that will make the anxiety go away because it really is just a random firing or not meaningful firing of uh, nerve injuries. Um, and the circumstantial uh, category I need to address, most people that have you know, episodes of anxiety related to difficult circumstances. You know, I so a person that gets arrested for the first they have circumstantial anxiety. They you know they're going through something. There's there's threats happening all over the place. It's happening too fast. You know, their mind you know going hundred miles an hour, it's all blurry and um uh, you know they just feel anxious and they, they have a circumstance that's legitimate and legitimately overwhelming. And as they process it, they will begin to naturally identify whether or available So, so it kind of starts out as anxiety because it's just a bunch of all of, them. All of a sudden it's not sorted out. That becomes fear of this, you know, fear of loss of my freedom, fear of being put in jail, fear you know, of, you damage my reputation, fear of what my parents would say, all those fears, you know, fear of being raped in jail, whatever would come up with the nurse. uh, in a circumstantial way, tends to, you know, in, in the hands of somebody that's already naturally going to be problem solving and realize that need to do certain stuff. Do that. We'll figure out what they're afraid of about that and do some problem solving. Yeah. Sometimes you get into the circumstance. So, if um, you don't figure it out, and then you have some lingering anxiety because you haven't figured it out. And so there you can see it goes from Potentially not at all fuzzy to, yes, some residual fuzziness. Perhaps you can identify yourself with one one or more of the categories. If you do, this is the beginning of making the fuzzy, fuzzy fear that is your anxiety less fuzzy, and therefore more direct. It's good news, isn't it? All right, and then I want to get on to the different categories uh, one at a time, but that's going to happen in the next segment. The only thing I have to tell you right now is, you know, thanks for watching this. I hope you found it helpful. I'm pretty sure it's opened your eyes, paid attention to some really important elements of this uh, this issue for you and for others who struggle with. And hopefully what it's done is, is, is your hope and your sense of optimism about maybe empowering yourself through this understanding to finally do something about it uh, to really take control of I know I've done this for hundreds of people. The effects are often amazing and dramatic for people as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Truth Map Podcast.
0: If you're interested in learning more about the concepts discussed today, you can find a link to more content on this topic in the details. For more content to help you with your journey, or if you want to develop tools to make the most of your life, visit our website at www.truthmap.co. There you'll find in-depth articles, self-improvement worksheets, videos, and can inquire about our life coaching services. You can also join our community on social media. We are at TruthMap on all platforms except for Instagram, where you can find us at, at the TruthMap. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes every week.